just thank you for tuning in, and, and we really appreciate that. And if that song doesn't get you excited, especially Nick up here barefooted, um, and, and man, that just brings back the shack days when we were so poor. We were in a building. We're still poor. We're just not poor. We, we got the OR now, and, and we were in a building, and we didn't have anything. But the Lord's presence was so full that you know that even on a sunny night, I thought the building was going to fall through. We had like 113 people one night on a Sunday night. And I said, man, the building's going to fall in. It was moving and swaying. And I thought, this is it, God. We're coming to Jesus. But he, he kept us alive. So there's a, a lady that works with me that's, that's wrecked my heart uh, in a great way. And Brittany Gordon. And Brittany Gordon has just been a, a powerful influence in my life. And she is motivated me and, and challenged me and, and been such an inspiration to me. And as we were talking one time, this is a couple months ago, she made a statement that when she was working at a church that a, um, a youth pastor, I believe it was a youth pastor, said to her. And so that's the, that's the title of this whole series. And I pray that it wrecks your heart because I'm, I'm just going to be straight up with you. I'm just tired of preaching. Man, I don't want you to come in here for an experience. We can set lights, we can have great sound, we can have unbelievable setting, but if you don't walk in here and encounter the Holy Spirit, what have we done? We have created entertainment, therefore we, uh, we have Christian shoppers instead of Christian worshipers. Can I, can I not talk, you know, I'm just saying something, I guess. But I pray that you encounter the Lord. And she said this to me, I can't, but he can, so I must because he will. Are y'all with me? I can't, but Jesus can, so I must because he will. You know the money that you give here on Sundays, you know part of that money has already been in Houston. We just don't brag about it. We just don't tell anybody about it, you know, don't let your... Left hand know what your right hand is doing, right? But that money, there's already people on the ground. People sending stuff and help. Been on the ground. Been there before it came. Been there during when the hurricane came. And will be there after it. And we help fund that. And it's really all God's money, right? He just allows us to keep 90% of it. And so we're blessed by it. But I want you to know what you're doing in the Lord. I can't do it. So when I asked, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Why, why is this burning in my heart? Why can't I get this phrase out of my mind? He said, he said please plea with my people. And I said, oh, I don't know how to plea. I'm not very good at it. I'll just, I'll go up there and beg. And uh, I guess what that word means. And so here's where we're at. I looked at somebody who pleaded not to do God's will and had every excuse not to do it. And you've read this passage, some of you in Christianity, a thousand and one times. But I, I think it's applicable to us today, and I pray that it will minister to you. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, at the end of 2, people are crying out, crying out for God. You know this is Moses. You know this is burning bush. You know this is a counter. But I can't because he can, so I must because he will. And Moses just gave all these different, different ideas of why he can't. Why he can't. Why can't? Why can't? And why did I go to the book of Exodus? Do you know that the, okay, so the Old Testament was written in, let me just, let me back up just, let me go academic just for a minute. All right, so the Old Testament is written in what? Come on. Hebrew, New Testament is written in what? Right, in coin, not classical, coin aid, where we get the word coin, common. But here's the difference. 
There's this thing called the Septuagint, and it's where the whole Old Testament, New Testament was written in Greek. And so scholars today use that because, it, I mean, it's historically, it's, 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 it's old, so therefore it's, it's, it's closer in a lot of ways to the ancient manuscripts, and so they use it. And the word Exodus is only used three times in the Septuagint, which is the whole uh, Greek Bible. It's used three times. Once there in the old, we see it. And then we see twice, we see it two times. Specifically, it's used in the New Testament two times. And so the word exodus, it literally means to exit. But, but in the New Testament, we, we learn something with it. It means this, and, and I just want to uh, quote this. It means uh, the way out. Now, Warren Risby would talk about it, but it means the way out. And so what I'm trying to say to you today is that sometimes we look for a way out when only God's way is the way out. Verse 1, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. That's a whole sermon. And he led the flock to the far side or the west side or the back side of the wilderness. And he came to Horeb. Uh, it's another word for Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire. Now let's talk about the angel of the Lord for one minute. Let's just clarify something. You'll see in a couple times in the Old Testament the word the angel of the Lord move, uh, is there. And you see this angel and then he uses, then the angel speaks and he says, he's speaking as in God, and we know that most scholars would hold to that that angel is what we call a Christophany. Very technical term, it just means not a theophany, not, a, not God, but an a, but a, a actual vision of Christ. We're going to learn who that image of God is in the New Testament. We're going to learn that his name is Jesus. Uh, he will be called Emmanuel, God with us, right? His name's uh, Jesus, right? Or the Hebrew word Joshua, uh, Yahweh saves, or uh, God is my salvation. And so we see who this angel of the Lord is. In his name, it was the word when the earth was created. We see this uh, presence within the flames of fire speaking like God. And we see this replete through the Old Testament. And it is a Christophany of Christ because Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was, was on fire. It did not burn up. Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him within the bush, Moses. Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Will you pray with me? Lord, um, you know my prayer is always, is that one, thank you that you forgive me of my sins. I acknowledge them. Thank you forgive all of us of our sins by the blood of Jesus. We acknowledge them, and we know that if it wasn't for you, that we cannot stand in your wrath or the demand of perfection, but because of Jesus Christ, we have the availability of the presence of God 
right now within us, your Holy Spirit uh, moving around in this building. And so I want to pray, Lord, that I don't come in any wise and persuasive words for the demonstration of the spirit of power, that everyone in this room, that their faith would not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Show yourself strong. You've done it in creation. You've done it at the cross. You don't need to demonstrate anything. But Lord, I just pray through this broken, weak vessel called John Davis that you would do something mighty. Lord, we need you. We need a movement. I cannot. You are stirring up on this campus. You are stirring up in this church. You are stirring up in our lives. I don't want to go through another fall and it just be another academic year that man has made. I want to step into something that God has made. And I don't want it to be like everything else. I want you to go ahead and just change me because you know, Lord, I need it. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would just bless us today in a mighty way. We don't deserve it, but your name is great and you are good and you are a God of love and you will do what is right and just. You will raise up who you want to raise up and you will tear down who you want to tear down. And I pray today, let the name of the Lord be praised now and forevermore. And all the saints said, what? Come on, somebody. God is good. So I want to say today, this idea is there is a way out. And so, David, I'm going to ask you to do something. David, come on up here. And uh, do y'all see these, do y'all see, you, you see this red tape right here? That's, that's Ricky Reyes telling me I can't go but so far for Facebook Live. So um, can we run them lights down? Just run them down. Uh, you know I've already showed you this illustration. Run the whole thing down. Make it dark up in here. Some people are like, it's a club. It's a club. All right, you can put it right over there. All right, so here's what happens, right? Here's my life. I'm standing outside. Jesus is the what, saints? He is the light of the... Come on. And so I'm standing out because I am in sin and I need his presence. I need Jesus to do something in me because I am not right with the Lord outside of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, somebody shared the gospel with me in Virginia Beach. Come on. And I got radically saved because I was at a prison. I wasn't in the prison. I was at. There's a difference, people. And I saw this man in there who was sentenced to I don't even know how long. But I saw something he had I didn't have. And it wrecked me. And I came back. And there was a man of God who presented the gospel. And I was wrecked. And I saw that my ra- the, I deserve the wrath of God. I didn't deserve the mercy of God. I deserved the wrath of God. I deserved it because I was wrecked in my sin. And I just want to say to you today, until you see what God has done for you, you will never see what God will do in you. And so I was wrecked by it, and I realized that my light was going nowhere, but I needed, as an 18-year-old, I needed the light of Jesus, that a football scholarship don't mean jack to Jesus. And so with a broken, with nothing to give him, except the very breath that he's given me, I stepped into the light. And all of a sudden, the light of the world became the light of his presence in my life. Are y'all tracking me? How's that, how's that shoulder doing all right? You burning? You blow lactic acid going on there? 
And so all of a sudden, I stepped into the light, and I taught you, Lord willing, I didn't know the Holy Spirit did, that a couple weeks ago, when I stepped into his light, everything else paled in comparison. You know what I'm saying? Because when I'm outside the light, I'm chasing things in the dark. That's why when you go in the dark, you can't see what you love. You can, anyway, all right, so y'all know what I'm talking about. But when you're in the light, everything's exposed, Right? Even the lint in my house is there. I don't see it, but all of a sudden when the light comes through the window, I see lint flying through the air, and I would never see it without the light. And so all of a sudden I step into the light, and all of a sudden I begin to bow my knees to the king who is going to light. He is the light of the world. And I bow to him and I say, okay, God, right now, just like what Moses did, there was a, a bush that was on fire. I saw a man of God, somebody, on fire. And the fire was inside the bush, but the bush wasn't burning up. The fire changed the bush. The bush didn't change the fire. And all of a sudden, I saw somebody and heard the gospel clearly, and I stepped in, and I said, I'm not perfect, but Jesus is. I deserve wrath, but he took it all, and he cried the cry, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, because you know it ain't no cuss word, but he cried the cry of the dam when he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? C.J. Behaney titled the book, The Scream of the Damned, a chapter in that book, and he cried out. He took on aloneness so I don't have to. He became alone. So I know he's quoting Psalm 22. I get it, theologians in the room. But there was a moment the weight of the world was on his shoulders and not mine. And all of a sudden, that light stepped in. But see, Moses saw that same thing. And then what happened? Thy word is a lamp unto my what, saints? And a light unto my... So as I get into, all of a sudden, the light begins to move a little bit. So what do I do? Uh-huh. Y'all tracking me? I'm moving the light. I taught you uh, a couple weeks ago when, when Lynette came on out here because she moved into the light. See, I'm not out here chasing somebody. You can keep that light right. I'm not out here chasing somebody and bringing them in the light. God did not call you to missionary date. There ain't no hoping and scoping. Somebody taught me that. I forgot, but it was good. Some of you be going to worship. I'm hoping and scoping. Man, I'm not going to the darkness to bring somebody to the light because only God can do that. But here's what's going to happen. See, what happens is people, come on somebody, what happens is, you can keep that light right there. What happens is when we get in here, we think, oh, the light is shining on me. Sweet Jesus. But what I realize, the light's not shining on me. The light is shining through me. So instead of it, me getting all sensitive and looking at me and saying, exposing all my sin, which it has done, but it points to Jesus from what he's done, which is greater than the sin that's in my life, all of a sudden, the, I, don't, I take the mirror off me by the power of the Holy Spirit, and I begin to be a reflection instead of the point of the mirror. And so that's why Matthew 5, 16 is, let your light so shine before men, that they may see your what? 
good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So now all of a sudden, the light begins to move. And so he breaks my heart. And so what happened to Moses is that the light shined on Moses, began to change Moses, began to change Moses, and the light said, you are going to go back into a place that you came out of, but you're going to go back totally different than how you went in. Because the light is now moving back to Egypt. So Moses is going to have to make a decision. So what happens in our lives? What happens at your high school? Quit chasing things outside the light when God has already given you everything in. Mm, come on. You're chasing it all. Oh, if I could just look like that, I could look like this. I want you to know if you look like Jesus, you'll know who's really with you. Right? Come on, Brittany. You'll know who's with you. Because everybody, listen, everybody else who's not tracking with Jesus can't handle the Jesus in you. They can't handle it. Too much of a flame, too much of a fire. Everybody's trying to dial us down. Why don't you dial it up? Why don't we dial it up around here? We don't have 49 salvations, but that ain't enough for Jesus. Why? Because there's a world that is burning and going straight to hell, and I refuse to give them an air conditioning ride. So the light moves a little bit. Moses has got to go. And all of a sudden, listen, and God is always going to send us to a broken place. He's going to send us to a place where the light has to shine. The light's not going to shine on the light. The light's going to shine in the darkness, somebody. Because we live in a broken world. But God can still move. Will you show that video for a second? You can go ahead and cut that light. Some of you already saw this, but I want you to just see this video. You see, you can put that light back on me and you can kill that. You see that Jake Olson was blind. He had cancer in the retina and he went blind as a 12-year-old. And you see that there's darkness. But you can go ahead and keep the lights down all the way. Yep, we're going to show it. You can kill the lights up here. And so you see what happens is, is that there's darkness in this world. There's darkness. You say, well, how good is God to allow somebody to be blind? I want everybody to know that God can defeat any illness, but the greatest enemy, Scripture teaches, is death. And if God can't defeat death, then he ain't God. He came to defeat death. 
The wages of sin is not disease. The wages of sin is not sickness. The wages of sin is not cancer. The wages of sin is not a runny nose. The wages of sin is not hair loss. The wages of sin is not something wrong inside. The wages of sin is what, saints? Death. I applaud Southern Cal. He got the snap in the spring game in Western Michigan yesterday at the end of the game when he got the snap with about three, four minutes in the game. Realized that it was just a game. But there's a light, and God has sent us in there. We try to conform the light to us. The light does not put the mirror on us. We are reflection of the light. And so the light moves, we move a little more. The light, that word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Once the light moves, we move again. We don't move until the light moves. Y'all with me? You don't go unless the light shines on the school that God tells you to go. You don't go into the marriage until the light shines and tells you. You don't go to the job until the light shines. Hey, I know we all ready for some change. I know we all ready for something different. I know we're ready for a stirring. But I want you to know we can't get ahead of God. And Moses was at that burning bush, and it was burning, and it was burning, and he was confronted with himself, and he was confronted with his humanity and his weakness, and he gave every excuse known in the book. Who am I that I should go? Who I can't speak? All these things, because the light was trying to get him to move, and he was trying to step out of the light, but God Never, ever, I think it was, what was great, I, I think it was Jonathan Franklin just told me backstage, was, you know, God never comforted him in his excuse. In other words, God doesn't make room for our excuses. God just says, go. He will be the answer. We have no answer for the darkness. We, we let our light shine, Jesus and us, before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven, not glorify us. Thank you, brother. You can cut that off, and you can keep it, and you can cut those lights off. Thank you, David. Yeah, so, so here's the way out. So the God, here's the point. The point of all this is, is that the gospel of Jesus works so powerfully within us. He's got to. Listen, I don't want to come and do three songs and you sit there every Sunday and you go, oh, this is comfortable. I know this by rote. Uh, there's going to be three songs. They're going to pray. John's going to get up Matt crazy. There's going to be a time we go down front and then we're going to eat and get the bloat. Then I got a nice nap. Oh, wait a minute. If I'm a student, I've put all my work out until Sunday night. So I'm, then I got to go. I can't do anything else. I ain't got time to talk. So I'm going to go to the library and study. But that's when everybody else goes to the library. So you can't really study because she looks real hot. Then I forgot my charger, so my ba computer dies. Oh, well, I guess it wasn't meant for me to study. It's a sign from God. And I would say it is. It's called stupidity. But anyway, I'm just saying. That was funny. You know it. You can tweet that. A sign from God, stupidity. All right, so. But my point in all this is, is that God didn't call you to see you to be a coach to shine a light on you so you can climb a ladder. Oh, it got real personal. Because I want 
to climb the ladder. Maybe you, some of you, might feel the same way. Maybe not. But it's real easy to try and take God's anointing and say, look at me. When the mirror is not on me, the mirror is on, yeah. We can't be the same. And so I can't, but he what? I'm no match for the darkness. I'm no match for my sin. I can't even keep myself straight. Ask Lynette. Listen, here's the deal. I'm a verbal abuser. Not a physical abuser, except against myself, which, well, not really, because I like to eat. I'm not on a fast, I'm on slow. I will do everything wrong first, and the more I realize that, there's more freedom in that. See, the Satan would want to condemn, but Christ wants to set it free so I can keep walking in the light. Because Christ has to bring us to a place Christ had to bring Moses to a place. I can't, but he can, so I must, because he what, saints? He will. And when you're fully convinced that God will, then you just stay in the presence of God, and you don't move till the light moves, then you move. And then you don't, whoever comes in your way, lock arms with them, because they're, God's calling you on the same path with him. And so here we go, and so here we go, and so here we go. And I promise you, your eyes might think somebody's pretty, but when the light of the Holy Spirit hits her, whoo, do you smell what Jesus cooks? John Cena, never mind. So when the gospel of Jesus works so powerfully within us, we can confidently say, I can't, but he can, so I must because he will, even when I feel so far. The whole point, I can't, but he can, so I must because he will. Here's a sub-point, even when I feel so far. Look at verse 1. Chapter 3, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side. I look at that the whole time. Blows me away. I couldn't get past that word, far side. It literally, in Hebrew, means behind. Have you ever fell behind? You ever got so busy that you feel behind? I mean, listen, I want you to know something. What's interesting is that Moses, look how far Moses had fallen Stephen, before he dies, when he's preaching the gospel to the enemies of God, begging them to see Jesus, and even in his last breath, he asked God not to hold their sins against him. That's the love of Jesus, somebody. I want to get there. I'm not. But in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is preaching the gospel to them that is going to be the last sermon. You know sermons can get you killed. At that time, Moses was born. This is Acts 7. You don't have to turn there. At that time, Moses was born. He was no, what's it say? Yeah, he was beautiful. I mean, he was no ordinary child. He was beautiful in God's sight. I just want to tell you something today. Y'all sitting out there all in high school. Trying to, man, look. I'm all about, if I had a body to be hipster, I would rock it. But if I rock it right now, I look like a busted can of biscuits. You don't want to see that. 
Muffin top, muffin bottom, muffin out, muffin right. It just look, stuff spreads. I don't know why it does that, but praise God in heaven it won't spread, but there will be a spread. I make a table in the presence of my enemies and I'm going to eat. But what I'm trying to say is it says beautiful in God's sight, not in man's, but we always try to impress man. Listen, my preaching is awful. I'm amazed you show up every week. I'm serious. I've listened to some of my messages. I'm like, whoa, that was dumb. But I, you know, right? Like, what? God, you do use foolish things. But you know what? You can't get enough. There's something, there's something that you see of the Lord in me because that's why you're here. And so what happens is, I'm just begging you, I'm just pleading with you that you're never going to be beautiful in man's sight because there's a lot of different beholders out there. But when you're beautiful in God's sight, then man can't validate what God has already done. I don't need, I don't need. I'm not, listen, I'm saying look good. Don't be odd for God. Don't be stranger danger and a weirdo. Don't be one of... I walk by faith, not my sight. I walk by faith. Mm, trashy Jesus Duke. Walk by faith, not my sight. Don't be that person. We got enough of them. God, please don't send any more weirdos. Please. We got enough, sweet Jesus. I mean, you look at God's army, it looks like the island of misfit toys. When's Rudolph coming? It was bad as I'm in it. <laughs> That's what's bad. God's like, you don't leave one, John. You're right. You're right. Man, I would. Like, I, I you know, I want to have cool hair. Like, Mr. Mr. Heaven Thunder. I can't sing a song like him. Singing it up here. I want to have a nice full beard. You know what, where my beard went? Underground and came out in places I never knew I had. That's where, it, that's where it went. Some of you are like visual. All right, so, but he's on the far side. He's behind, and so I, I feel that way. So, sometimes I feel I fall behind. Listen, I'm just going to stay straight up like I can't say anymore. Like, our football team, our basketball team, Summit, CSU, North Chuck, South Carolina, globally, listen, we will never be unless we let the light lead us and not us lead us. Never, because we can't be in a place that God, listen now, if we're in a secular place, that is, somebody that doesn't know the Lord, we're in a business that could care less about Jesus, then you can do it man's way, and you can make it work. It's called business, people, right? Business. Like, I, I, I love when I hear Christians say, oh, well, that's just business. Really? I thought the government was on his shoulders. I don't separate I don't separate business and Jesus. I don't live by silos. Moses didn't live by silos. He can't, but Jesus can, so he must because God will. He will do it in your marriage, in your finances, in your life. He will do it, and I want you to know, even if the other person won't, you can stand tall that if they walk out, God will send somebody in. I know what I'm talking about. Well, they left me in a divorce. That's all right. God will send you somebody. 
He said it's not good for man to be alone. Don't worry. You don't have to chase when God is going to sin. But if you chase, you'll walk out of the light. I promise you. You'll walk out of light, and you'll be enamored by a lot of different lights. But let I remind you that those bugs, it's called a zapper for a reason. Those false lights will zap you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So all of a sudden, the far side, look how far he'd fallen. At that time Moses was born and there was no ordinary child. He's beautiful. But look what it says. And he was brought up for three months in his father's house. But then you're going to see what happens next verse. This is what's powerful. So, and when he was exposed or placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought her up as his own son. What's this next verse? Woo, this is a preaching. And Moses was instructed and all the what, saints? Wisdom of who? And he was mighty in his what? In deeds. And 40 years after he killed the Egyptian because he wanted to be the liver, but he was trying to do it in a secular way. He was trying to do it in an Egyptian way, a condemned way. Listen, if business was meant to be forever in man's way, then God would have never sent Jesus. But we can learn millions of business principles by Jesus. Because with 11 men, and then in Acts, the 12th man, he turned the world upside down. Moses was powerful in words and in what, saints? He knew how to fight. That's why he knew how to kill the Egyptian. He knew how to do things the Egyptian way. But I can't walk into Jesus' way. In Acts 9, when, when, when Saul was persecuting uh, the church, he was persecuting, calling the people of the way. Exodus means the way out twice. It's only used twice in the New Testament. And it's there it is, the way out. And I want you to see that we can't do it here. We can't do that. So let's go back up to that, that verse so you get to see what happens. He was mighty in words and deeds. But after 40 years of living in the wilderness, what did he say to God? I'm, I'll just read it. I'm sorry I didn't give it to you. It's my fault. I apologize. Acts chapter, uh, excuse me, Exodus 4. If you have your Bible or phone, boom, you can just like whoop, slip it with your finger. Like, whoo, here we go. Moses said to the Lord, this is, now he's gone on for almost a whole chapter, half of three, already in half of four, and he's like, no God, not me, no God, not me. See, he liked the light on him, but he didn't like what the light was telling him. We all want, I don't want to be thick. I want everybody healthy, I want comfortable life, and safe, and everybody's good and golden. That is not the way of the cross. The way of the cross is we're wrecked, then we get wrecked for others because we see the light moving into the darkness and we follow Jesus, the light of the world, into the darkness and we can only do and be what the light shines in us and around us. So Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. Pardon your servant, Lord. Oh, I've never been. Oh, this is good. I'm sorry, I'm at verse uh, 10. 
apologize. Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never, I like this word, I've never been eloquent. But Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. You know what 40 years in the wilderness to do? You forget who you are. You forget. Stephen tells us that he was raised and he was powerful in word and wisdom. People want to talk about him with a stuttering problem. People want to talk about all this. All we know is that in Acts 7, Moses is eloquent. He knows how to do it in word and deed. He had powerful authority. He had the ability to do it. But 40 years apart from God on the far side will make you forget and doubt anything you could ever do. But I want you to know, I can't, but he can, so I must because he will, even when I'm far from God. Neither in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, I'm slow of speech and tongue. Forty years will wreck you. Forty years he went from Pharaoh's son, in the, and you know he had many sons, you know literally it wasn't Pharaoh's son, it was Pharaoh's sisters adopted him. But anyway, the point is, is that in many ways he had nothing. He is now a shepherd. Do you know what a shepherd is thought of by an Egyptian? A shepherd is an outcast. It's a social outcast. Joseph even said to his family when he comes back, when Pharaoh comes, you're going to have to live over in Goshen because shepherds are detestable to Egyptians. They're detestable. He had become the very thing that the people he was raised in detest. But you know what was so sweet? And the Lord wrecked me in this. Look back in Exodus 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb. And what does it say, the last three words? Even in my far side, there's God. The farthest anybody can go from the Lord, there's God. In the midst of a broken moment, there's God. In the midst of something heinous that's happened to you or a family member, there is God. No matter how far and how broken and whatever tragedy has happened or been seen, there is God. God. One thing I know, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise Psalm 51. God is in the midst of the brokenness. He had been fallen. He had fallen from his identity. Moses, in the middle of his brokenness, he went from this place. He had lost even what he could do. He had lost himself and who he is. Genesis 43, 32 says, they served him by himself. Talking about Joseph and the brothers and the Egyptians who ate with him themselves because Egyptians did not eat with Hebrews. His heritage it had ruined him from the Egyptians. And in Genesis 46, like I told you, that shepherds, there in verse, uh, excuse me, verse 34, it says that shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. He had lost his identity, he had lost everything, and yet God was right there. Look how far he'd fallen. Look how long Moses had fallen. Acts 7, verse 30 says, after 40 years, 
after 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses. I can't, but he can. So I must because he will. And I want you to know it doesn't matter how far anybody is. You keep walking in the light and God will reach them because even in the midst of the darkest hour, Jesus' light can show up. Even in the midst of you finding out that somebody that you love is sick, God can show up. Even in the midst of losing somebody or something bad happened, uh, or a tragedy or some heinous sin or whatever happens or grades don't turn out or this relationship breaks up or whatever. Listen, God is still on the mountain of God and in total control. And he will be in the place on the far side, in the desert side, on the back side. Even when you feel behind, you haven't been left. Not only I must because he will, right? I can't, but he can, so I must because he will, even when I feel so far away. How about this? I can't, but he can, so I must because he will, because he'll provide exactly what I need. Look there with me. I'm going to kind of land this uh, plane in here in just a minute. He says in verse 2, he says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire. It did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will not, uh, excuse me, I will go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. This is why I am begging for this church family. I need you. Uh, the gospel needs you. The Lord needs us. Well, he wants us. He doesn't need anything. I get it theologically. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that when the fire of God is within us, we can never be settled until his will is done. Never. Will y'all come play over me? I just want to land it. I want us to bring us to a point where we are begging God. Where we will answer the call. Where we'll just say, I can't, but he can so I must because he will. I want to I say something. Look at this. There the angel of the Lord, verse 2, appeared to him in flames of fire. I want you to say, this is so powerful. From within a bush, Moses saw that the bush was on fire. It did not burn up. Warren Wiersbe says it best. Moses needed to be reminded of God's glory and power for he was about to embark on an impossible task. Do you know that he even goes on to say that Moses was brought to a place that could not be put out? I hope today that God is doing something in you you can't put it out. I hope it, it eats you up at night and keeps you awake at night. You say, John, why do you say all that stuff? Because here's why. I, I, I believe, I know that one of the gifts the Lord's given me is exhortation. And sometimes as a pastor, it's easy to see what people can be more than they can see it. It's called exhortation. It's being able to see, to see what you can do. And then I've got to be this encourager and be used by the Lord to say, man, the light's moving a little bit. Take that step. The light's moving a little bit. Take the step. It's interesting there that he keeps on reading. He says, verse 5, he says, do not come closer. This is, this is what Nick Ballinger did up here. God said, take off your sandals for the place 
When you are standing as holy ground, I love what he said. I love what was be said. Christians who know how to take off their shoes in humility can then be used by the power of God within them. When you know how to take off your shoes in humility, you know how to walk in the power of God. He had to be brought to a place. And he, you would think that Moses was already humbled. 40 years on the dark, on that backside of the wilderness, and he's way far away from families on the other side of the mountain. And there, when he was so far, even from everybody else, there was God. There was God. And God takes us to places of humility. And Moses at that moment is being humbled. And we're in the places of humility, and God says, do something big. Right? I can't, but he can, so I must because he will. I want to offer excuses. But he took him to a place of humility. Why? Because the more I can stay humble in front of the Lord, the more I can walk in the power of the Lord. And God wants us to walk in his power, but he'll only walk with us. He'll never leave you, but he'll only walk with you. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 6. Six things the Lord hates. Seven, seven that are detestable to him. First thing he says is haughty eyes, pride. One thing we know, pride cometh before the what, saints? Fall. So what are you saying? Land it, John. Land it. What's God saying? I'll tell you what he's saying. I'm not going to say everything because I don't feel like that God has given me permission to say specific words to specific people in here publicly. So I will not do that. But I do have a couple words for some of you. To the best that I can understand the Lord. I want to ask you and beg you since we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Bible says that Moses was the most humble man on the earth during that time, does it not? But who was the most humble man ever to walk the earth? What's his name? Jesus. He was a man of humility. The Bible says that he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then the Bible goes on to say that at his name, that name, Jesus, the one who humbled himself, he emptied the Greek word there in Philippians, kenosis, he emptied himself. I want to ask you today, come on somebody, will you empty yourself? No, you're not like, I'm just trying to lay it out there, Lord. I mean, empty yourself to the point where you get right here and you say, God, I am empty and I believe I'm just going to make a declaration of faith. I can't, but you can, so I must. We can't move. I tried to show you an illustration. When the lights shine, I saw the light. I stepped into the light and gave my life to Jesus, right? I had to get to the point where I take my shoes off and I get humble and I say, okay, God, I got nothing to give you. I don't have anything unless you give it to me. I can't, but you can. I can't save myself, but you can all of a sudden when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
realize I must because he will. And that God will do something great and mighty within us. He will do something powerful within us. But he won't do it unless it comes down the path of humility. How many people do you think we got in here? Bottom floor seats a thousand people. Thousand seats in the bottom. 520 in the balcony. 540. Somebody take a guess. 200, 300, I don't know. I can count. Maybe more. What if there were that many people that say, I'll humble myself. And wherever he leads, I'll follow. If you're in this room today, listen, I'm going to go out. This, I know this. God allows me to lead it until Christmas. Somebody share with me, and if it wasn't for that somebody, where would I be? I don't give them credit, but I sure do thank them. Who will humble themselves? You'll never walk in the power of God until you walk in the humility of Jesus. It's your choice. You have free will. You have free will, Adam and Eve. Understand. You might physically, you might not be able to come up here. That's fine. God knows your heart. But he wants to change your will. Maybe you want to come and get on your face. Don't be afraid and don't be ashamed. Man, that's nothing but pride. Moses, take off your shoes. The place you're standing is holy ground. And oh, by the way, I don't need a bush to be burned. I'm just showing you that I can humbling myself in front of you right now. I don't even know. I'm just humbling. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to humble myself in front of you right now. Get on my face right now, God. I can't, but you can. Let it be a declaration. I can't, but you can. So I must, because you will. God, I declare today, it ain't about me. It ain't never been about me. It's going to be about you. But God, I'm going to humble myself as a believer. Here I am, Lord. I'm stepping into your light. I'm humbling myself in your light. Here I am, God. Take my desires away and put in your heart, your desires. Because in your heart. Because I don't want to speak for you until I have a heart for you. Lord, there's got to be some people out that want to step into that place of humility. Let some of it be known. We're just a church of humble people. Yeah, I say it all the time, Lord. Pinto beans and cornbread, red rice and sausage, whatever you want to call it, Lord. We just straight up, this is who we are. We're not ashamed of who we are, but we don't want to stay where we are. Then, Lord, we just want to humble ourselves. I can't. Lord, is there any believer in here today that's in a place where they feel like they can't? But today they need to declare by faith in Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about an act of sanctification. And Lord, I want to pray this. 
because you know I always believe that there are people in here that are not saved. And I praise God for them. And I love them. Lord, I want to pray this over them. C.J. Mahaney said this, Lord, and I just can't say it any better. He said, until you see the cross as that which is done by you, you will never appreciate that it is done for you. And Lord, there might be someone in this room today, and I believe there is, that they've liked all the ideas of the light and they know about the light, but they've never stepped into the light because they've never been wrecked by their sins. They've just tried to cover them up like Adam and Eve. And they covered up with this false gospel of, well, I'll just go to heaven. And I'll just get all this forgiveness. Lord, when the truth is, they need Jesus. They try to make their forgiveness by doing things. They, that's just false gospel. I pray today, God, the quota for wimpy Christians has been filled. That we need some people today that will say in this room that are not saved, that will stand up and say, I need Jesus. And they're already stand, if they stand up and they come down here and grab one of these leaders, then Lord, you've already saved them before they stepped out. They're just going to verbalize, they need Jesus. They can crown you right cry to you right now. I believe that you died, Jesus, and rose again. God, you took him and rose him from the grave. And as an act, as a movement, follow God, we want to live in a place of humility so that you can be in the place that's exalted. Here we are, Lord. We're faithful of a little, we're faithful of much. We just want much of you. We don't want all that you can give us. We want the giver. So here we are, Lord. Believers crying out. And I pray for those unbelievers in this room. They cry out right now. And that, that cry would be so strong in their soul. They know they feel it right now. They feel uneasiness, the flesh, spirit waging about their seat right now and say, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, come on up here. Come on up. Make it public. Not be ashamed of the gospel. That is our prayer today. There's only one Jesus. He can do it. 